does, trust me. I scooted the whole way here this morning, and it was incredible. It was incredible. I scooted yesterday, my wife and I scooting down the road, and a guy, or, or five, passed us on some Harleys. And they never quite know what to think of the big 6'2", 260-pound dude riding on a scooter. So I usually either get a head nod or I get a look. But what makes you happy? What are some things? I'll tell you right now. Jackson, Heather's little boy Jackson, back there, is really happy. I walked through that doorway, and he had powdered sugar all over his face. And I said, someone back here had a donut. And Jackson goes, it was me. I was like, no kidding. But what about you? What makes you happy? Sunshine? Grandbabies? Food? I should know. Food! What else? Shopping? Warm weather. The sunshine? Vacation. Yeah. Church! Awaiting a sermon. Yeah, really. Anyone else? Your kids? Your husband? Who said that? Well, all right. The ocean. Oh, yeah. My sister, who is not here today, so email her this week and be like, where were you? No, she's home now. But she was this week. She went to the ocean, and she called me one day, and she said, Brad, just listen. And I was like, I hate you. No, not really. I, speaking of, Brian and Lindsay are back from a honeymoon cruise. That dude's grinning ear to ear. Has been both of them since they walked in the door. <clears throat> Anybody else? Oh! <laughs> I know. <laughs> and Jake just sits over there like. Oh. Kittens? Your kittens? Your dogs. That's what I'm talking about. Your motorcycle. Not quite a scooter, but it'll work. It'll work. It'll work. Sleep? Who said that? Stay awake. For the next two hours while I preach. Anybody else? iPod. Now you're talking. Yes. Being barefoot, yeah. And I have to tell you, the rug right about here has this weird smell right now. Just a funky, just a fun smell of awesome. That's what it is. <clears throat> well, we get to a point in Scripture where Jesus is going to preach one of his most famous sermons. 
Now, what we have to realize, if you remember last week when we were reading in the Gospels, most of the Gospels speak at the end about how there was so much more that Jesus did. There were so many sermons that Jesus preached, and there's so many lessons that Jesus taught, and there's so many miracles that Jesus performed that were never even recorded in the Scripture because you just can't record all of those into one place. And so they would just say that at the end, but they would make sure that they recorded some of the biggest some of the most monumental moments. And this sermon is one of the top sermons that Jesus preached. It's represented in multiple Gospels, and it's spoken of in a way that they recorded word for word what Jesus spoke. And so whenever they do something like that, what you have to understand is it's a very important moment for these disciples who are following Jesus. It's a very important moment for all the disciples in the future to come, for them to record these specific statements. Now, what was it that Jesus was saying? Most of us know this as the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so we also know what he said, the blessed bees, as the Beatitudes. But when Jesus says, these are some of the things that we have to remember as we read through these things. When Jesus said blessed, what he meant by that is, Happy or happiness. Um, the, the literal translation of the word is happy or happiness. <clears throat> but there's more to that. When it comes to what happiness means, it was more of a divine nature of the meaning. It was more of a divine purpose of what you were made to do. We sometimes call it eternal life on earth. Uh, in other words, what you were created to be is, is who God has gifted you and given you the abilities and given you the nature and the nurture to become who you are so that you can do something, so that you have a calling on your life. There's a purpose for why you're here. Believe it or not, you were not just created to go to work, make money, and, and be lazy. There, there, there really is a purpose behind why you were created. There's a purpose behind why all of us are created. Now what happens is, sin gets in the way of that purpose. And for the majority of us, that purpose never gets fulfilled. Or we, that purpose never sees the light of day. And I want you to understand, it's not always your sin that gets in the way. Sometimes it's other people's sin in your life that gets in the way. That crushes your purpose. Now, the, 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 the amazing gift that we received from Jesus Christ was this gift of sanctification, was this gift of justification or of mercy or of grace. So that if your sin has gotten in the way of your purpose, guess what Jesus says? I can remove that for you, right? If you have gotten in the way of your purpose, or here's an even better one, I believe, if someone else's sin has gotten in the way of your purpose, do you know what Jesus says? I can heal you from that. Because what often happens is, if, if our statistics are correct, even the majority of us in the room right now have in some way been abused by someone in our past that has left a scar in you or on you. And so what happens is, those scars compound and become greater and deeper and wider. And what used to be really detrimental just to me is now detrimental to anyone who is associated with me 
Because typically what happens in our life circles is however we were hurt, we now hurt. It's typically a passed on through generational trait. The scripture even talks about it. Your sins will be passed on for generations in your family. What's he saying there is typically what I struggle with, my kids will struggle with. Because they will see it in me, whether I teach it to them verbally or not. They will see it in me. And they learn it. It becomes who they are, not necessarily what they do. And until someone stops the generational pattern of what can be abuse or it's most likely just sin in your life, it's going to continue in your family. Are you with me? What Jesus says on this Sermon on the Mount is so incredible because what he does is he starts at the very beginning and he says, if you want to be happy, do these things. If you want to be happy, do these things. And so from the very purpose, the the very beginning of when we're discovering our purpose, the first thing that we want is to what? Be happy, right? I don't want to walk around life miserable. I want to know what I'm determined to become. I want to know what my purpose can really be. Here's where we sometimes fall short. We think that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are now above and beyond everyone else in the world. And so therefore, while we are on the path to our purpose, they're all miserable. Right? And we we got it right. And so the way that Jesus begins this sermon is just as important as the sermon, right? Jesus is coming off a series of miracles, but he's not yet really begun his teaching. So he's coming off all these miracles and all these miraculous things, and people are exalting, and they're understanding that this guy is divine, right? This guy really could be a prophet. And so masses of people are now following him. And Jesus, in a very desolate place, sits down on top of this mountain, most likely somewhere on the side where a lot of people can see him. And who does he bring closest to him, right? I want you to, you have to understand this, because Jesus is not screaming these words to the thousand or so people who are standing around him, but Jesus has sat down and has brought close to him his disciples. And what he says in these next few words is not for the multitude, it's for them. And he's very protective. If you were a a, a teacher at this time, you would have one of these beautiful pulpits, right? And any time that you got up to teach, guess where you went? You went behind that beautiful pulpit. We we still do it in the church today. You have these beautiful pulpits, right? And you stand behind it and you open up the Word. And most A lot of churches have people stand for the reading of the word. This goes back generations and generations. What Jesus did as a teacher is he removed the pulpit. It became informal. And it became about you, not the tradition. You follow me? So when he sat on that mountain, the first thing he was saying is, this is not going to be like the teaching you've heard before. This is different. This is not going to come from your tradition. You're not going to have what I'm about to say memorized. You don't know what's coming. So get in close. You follow me? Matthew chapter 5 says this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. 
And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and began to teach to them. Why do you think it says he opened his mouth? No, but you can. A lot of what Christ's teaching was to this point was action. Right? He, didn't, he hadn't been teaching out of his mouth at all. He'd been showing. This is how you love. This is how you forgive. This is how you serve. This is how you heal. He'd been showing the disciples. He'd been walking them through life together, right? Now, Scripture tells us, he opens his mouth to teach. Now it becomes about you need to learn something. Because your idea of what's happening here is completely wrong. Your idea of what will bring you happiness is completely wrong. Your idea and what you're chasing to get a fulfilled life is completely wrong. And I'm about to introduce to you what will bring you happiness. I'm going to introduce to you where you can see the divinity in me. I'm going to introduce to you what's different about where I'm heading and where you're heading. He says this. Blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? There's a couple definitions here. The first is poor. One of the gospels who records this doesn't put spirit. It just says, blessed are the poor. One of the easiest ways to define this is just to say, blessed are the poor. Blessed are you who don't have much. But to say poor in spirit takes it to a different level. And what that is saying is this. Blessed are you who understand that you're not all you think you are. Right? That aren't riding on your little high horse around here. That aren't talking about, oh, look how spiritual I am. Look how Christian I am. Look how full of life I am. Oh, if you could be more like me. Do you remember when Jesus talks to the Pharisee and he tells him, you go into the temple and you preach or you, you pray out of those great and mighty words, but yet Matthew or, or the tax collector can go into the synagogue and he prays with his face on the ground and he moans to God and says, release me from this life. Jesus is saying, that is poor in spirit. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who understand that you can't get through life murmuring and complaining and being nasty to people and groaning because poor in spirit also means that you're not that guy riding on the high horse, but you're also not the person over here who thinks that they're owed everything. You with me? Because sometimes when we're poor in spirit, that gets translated into, oh, woe is me, or you, you have to give to me. Or it's expected of you to give to me. And we see this in all kinds of relationships. We can see this in relationships with our husbands and our wives. We can see this in relationships with our children. We can see this in relationships with extended family. We can see this in relationships at work. We can see this in relationships if you're in school. You see this all over the place. And truly, this is one of the most crippling parts 
of our life because we either think we've got it made or we think that you deserve to make me get it made. Does that make sense? I've either got it or you're going to give it to me. And so we do things like um, treat our waitresses horribly, right? Because my water didn't get filled before I finished my rice. And so, you know, there goes your dollar. Ooh. Right? Yeah, it does matter, doesn't it? And let me tell you something. She'll spit in your food. No, she won't. Not, not she won't, not when you're looking. Let me tell you, it, it represents itself no matter where you are in life. It, it follows with you because it becomes who you are. And what Jesus says, if you're poor in spirit, if you go in the realization that I have not been created in order to bless you, or you have not been created in order to bless me, but I have been created here to serve. And you know what? I'm good with that. And so my mindset, my eyes now look for how a person poor in spirit can serve somebody else. It changes my being. It changes how I see life. It changes how I walk around. It doesn't make me happy anymore to be filled with a bunch of stuff that you all think creates happiness. It only makes me happy now when I have served God and have fulfilled what I was created to do. Do you know what I was created to do? Serve you. That's what brings me joy. That's what brings me happiness. Right? And you don't get a paycheck for that. You don't get bonuses. You don't get vacations. You know, you, you, you don't get to hear the ocean. You don't get all the stuff that comes with what we suggest happiness is all about. But what Jesus says is, when you walk through life in a way that is poor in spirit, then everything else is just a blessing. And so when I lack those other things, and and I become depressed, because I'm not as happy this week as I was last week, what you realize is when you're poor in spirit, everything is a blessing. The fact that I got to fill up my gas tank this week, blessing. The fact that my kids got to eat every day, blessing. The fact that my kids came home safe every night, blessing. The fact that I get to see as a pastor, I, I get to go to hospitals and see miracles, they don't, they don't happen to me, right? I've been sick and prayed for healing and nothing happened to me. I don't know why God chose other people and didn't chose me or choose me. I, I don't know those things, but I do know this. That was a blessing to me. That it happened to you or that it happened to somebody else or that it happened to somebody in your family. When we pray over people down here, I don't know if a miracle is going to come or not. And they don't know if a miracle is coming or not. But I know this, I serve a God who can perform miracles. And so that prayer with you, that's a blessing to me. And so all the stuff that knocks you on your butt and makes you feel miserable and makes you feel angry and gets you all upset and everything else, those are things when you're poor in spirit that just don't mean anything to you. And what the world has taught you should really tick you off. And what the world has taught you should really make you frustrated. Or those things that the world has taught you, you should really be chasing after and really be pursuing no matter what you do to anybody else or how you can find it because that will make you happy, Jesus says, are completely insignificant. And until you get that, you don't get real life. 
He's telling his disciples, you will be happy if you just be poor in spirit. Just learn to serve. Learn what I have already given you. That's happiness. That's contentment. That's finding divinity. You with me? Here's the next one. This is a good one. Ready for this? Blessed are those who mourn. Can't wait to get into this one. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, is Jesus talking about blessed are you when someone dies that's close to you and you feel miserable? Blessed. No, that's not what he's talking about. The real translation of this is not a mourning for someone who has died, but it's a mourning for something you've done. Because I don't know about you, but if you go through life and you sin and there's not any mourning, there's, there's big issues, right? But for most people in life, when I do something wrong, I instantly know it. I may not react to it. I, I, I may not confess to it right away. I may not apologize for it for quite some time, if ever. But I know it. I know it. I know it as soon as it happens. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. What Jesus is saying here is really two things. One, blessed are you when you sin and you mourn for that sin. Blessed are you when you sin and you mourn for that. Because what does that mean? Typically, if I'm mourning, I want to change something. Right? If I'm mourning over someone who has died, why am I mourning like that? I'm mourning because I miss them. I miss them because I want them back. Mourning is all about you wanting life to correct itself and bring back to you that which it has taken. You follow me? Mourning for sin is all about you wanting your life to correct itself and bring back where you were before you sinned. I want to be the smart guy or the strong guy who can stand up to that temptation. And every time I fail to that temptation, guess what happens in my spirit? I mourn it. I want to be back to before the decision was made so that I can stand there and rectify the situation and be strong enough this time. That's what Jesus is saying. You're mourning the sin. You want to rectify what you've done wrong. You want to change that in your life. And so Jesus says, happy are you who mourn your sin, who want to change those things in your life. Here's the second part of it. Happy are you who mourn other people's sin. This is completely different. Now the focus is not me, but now the focus is outwardly. And so what does it mean? Blessed are you who care whether or not your friends are happy. Blessed are you who care whether or not your friends know Jesus. Blessed are you who care when you see them hurting because maybe of a mistake that they've made or maybe of a mistake someone else made that's had an effect on their life. Blessed are you, happy are you, who can feel sympathy and pain 
when someone else is struggling. Not gloat, not say I am better than, not tell them, well, if you just live life like I do. But blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who say, hey, listen, I'm here if you need me. And I promise you, I don't know, I'm telling you, I've told this to a lot of people, but it's just because I'm stupid, really. It has nothing to do with, you know, me being, you know, mournful. It has everything to do with I would just say the wrong thing. So I tell people all the time, listen, if you ever need to talk, I will sit across from you at a table and I will listen to you. And I promise you I won't judge you. And I guarantee you that I've made mistakes that you've made. And if you would like advice from me, I'll give you advice. But more than any of that, I'll just listen to you. I'll just listen to you. If you need someone to talk to, I'll listen. Because I do care. I do care that you're trying to figure out your life. And I want to help you get to where God has created you to be. I want you to be happy. I want you to realize Christ in a way that I can realize Christ. Because it's an everyday knowledge of his protection and guidance and blessing in your life. And when you live life poor in spirit and you live life mourning, Jesus says, you'll be happy. Can you see it? Will you stand with me? There's two promises made in these two scriptures. And over the next few weeks, we're going to go all through these. But one, of the, one thing you're going to see in all these ways to be happy is that Jesus gives a command and then a reward. He gives a command and then a reward. And so for a lot of us, we just want to skip to the reward, right? I want the kingdom of heaven, and I want to be comforted. Now, I don't want to do what it takes to get to those. Right? I don't want to... I, here, Jesus, let me write one. Blessed am I who am I... And you give me everything. But the truth is, Jesus says this. Too, so simple, but so inspiring to understand that what Jesus is doing is sitting on top of this mountain with those that are closest to him. And he's saying, I want to give you eternal life. Not just with my Father in heaven, but right now. I want you to understand what God has created to give to you right now. And I see you, Matthew, struggling with your sin. And I see you, Peter, struggling with, with your, your fear. And I see you, Thomas, struggling with your doubt. And I want to give you life. But here's what you have to do. You have to become poor in spirit. You have to understand that this life, while it will be full of blessing from God straight to you, it's also been determined that you'll receive that blessing when you serve. When you become lower than those you think you're better than. And, and here's something else, disciples. You will get eternal happiness when you begin to mourn for your sin. And here's an extra blessing. When you learn how to mourn for your friend's sin or for your family's sin, 
when you begin to learn what it really means to serve and what serve means is that you don't just go to God in prayer that he fixes everything in your life but you go to God in prayer that he fixes everything in the lives of those who are around you that's happiness that's happiness so here here's what I want to encourage you to do this week over the next few weeks as we go through these be happies you're going to have to do a self-evaluation of where you stand as they fit to the be happies. You with me? So this week, be happy by being poor in spirit and by mourning. Be happy by being poor in spirit and by mourning. And I promise you this, I promise you this, that when we get through these series and we go through all these be happies, that by the end of it, I promise you, if you begin to apply these things into your life, even in simple ways, I'm telling you, one day you'll be at a coffee shop and you'll get ticked off about something and you'll go, wait a minute, that really wasn't that big of a deal. Right? You begin to apply these things into your life in, in little itty bitty ways. Then you will receive blessings far more than you already have. Really? You're not getting any more. You're just seeing it now. You follow me? Let me tell you what happened real quick and we'll close with this. And I'm crossing the line by telling you this. And I'm taking away my blessing by telling it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. My wife and I went out to eat this week. We drove down to Kentucky. And we stopped outside of Cincinnati somewhere at the skyline because Monday was free Coney Day. Right? Right? And so we're sitting at the table. And I've got my kids there uh, beside me. And behind us is this uh, woman, this older woman who's sitting by herself. Uh, and she's got this huge plate of spaghetti, and she has like two conies. And I'm like, the woman can't be 50 pounds. And, you know, I'm like, is she? So it became a contest. You know, my son Jordan and I were like, is she going to finish this meal? And woman's putting it down. I'm not going to lie to you. She was, she was doing a good job, but she started to slow down and everything. And so uh, I looked at my wife, and I told my wife, I said, honey, uh, let's just buy her a meal. Let's get her a meal. And Sarah's like, oh, you know. Of course. And so we get up to the counter and we tell the waitress. And we said, hey, listen, um, please don't make a big deal of it. Please don't tell anybody. Please don't tell her. But just grab her check because we like to pay for her. And the lady goes, oh, my gosh, yeah. So she brings it up and she gives it to the manager. And the manager says, oh, no problem. The manager checks it out. And we start to leave and we get in the car and we pull off. And we're leaving the window. And we see pressed up against the window the woman, the waitress, and behind them, the manager, staring out the window for those crazy people who just bought that meal. But let me tell you something. You know who got blessed by that? Not me anymore, because I just bragged to you all about it. But I will tell you who. My boys and those three people, two of which had nothing to do with the situation. They just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with what I, what I did or what Sarah did there. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with when you serve somebody, the glory of God falls upon that moment and will enlighten many people that you don't even realize are looking. You follow me? That's what we are called to do. We are called to be a light in the world. We're called to walk a different path. We're called to be outside of what the world suggests to you will bring you happiness and to understand what Christ is telling you will really bring you happiness. So this week, be poor in spirit and be mournful.
You follow me? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your teaching. And God, I pray that as I seek your will, that, Father, you would enlighten anything in me that is not of you. And that, God, I would embrace confessing to you. That, Father, I would mourn for those things in my life that I know are not the right decision or the right thing to do or the right emotion in the moment. That, God, I would see the scars in my life. The Father, maybe I have placed myself or that God, maybe others have abused upon me. And that God, I would release those scars to you. That I would begin to walk in a different way this week. That Father, I would be a light in this world for you. God, I worship you. I praise you. I thank you for the life that you have given me. And I pray, God, that you bless us abundantly. I love you. I worship you. I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.